Do you tip them too? Yes. Anybody really? who is servicing me gets a tip. Whether it's <laughs> hair removal or hair washing, you're going to get a tip. And it's a generous one. Like I give a minimum of 20%. And then I usually add something during the holidays as a gift. And wow. it's a slippery slope for me because gifts is one of my dominant love languages. And so technically it's a tip. Right. But in my mind, it's also a gift. Welcome to the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success, where we explore life at the intersection of money. I'm Julian. And I'm Kirsten. And today we're talking about tipping. Tipping. Yes. Gratuities. Gratuity. Yes. So this topic, uh, this conversation, I was inspired by a couple of things. First, uh, we've been seeing so many articles about tipping culture, being out of control, Mm -hmm. and how technology and the pandemic has kind of brought all of this to the forefront. So in previous years, we've spoken about this, and it was mostly about like people not knowing when to tip and how much to tip. But now it's like a lot more complicated because of the rise of, this is my theory. I'm probably going to do a lot of theorizing here. (laughs) But I think part of it is because of the rise of fast casual restaurants. And you can attest to this. I've called this out for years. I was like, this is going to change things. People are like going to forget like how service experiences work. And because I think so many people are accustomed to tipping based on the service experience, it's going to change the way people sort of evaluate or even think that it's necessary. Because it's no longer private. Like with the rise of casual restaurants came the rise of mobile payment technology. Correct. It's like the spotlight. They turn that thing around and it's like, and they try to be vague, like it's going to ask you a question. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's asking me if I want to tip you. If I want to tip you for, (laughs) yeah, it's so weird. But like, again, like this is how, anyway, we can like talk about just the technology and how that has changed uh, things. But uh, yeah, I I think a lot of it has to do with like the change in service experiences. I found a quick little uh, survey from um, Motley Fool. There's actually an article uh, and the Motley Fool identified that the typical American spends about $700 a year tipping in restaurants. So just Hmm. in like sit down restaurants. So I, I feel like if you were to add, let's say, all of the other kind of opportunities to tip, like that number probably pushes well over uh, a thousand. But well again, over. yeah, yeah. But I mean, between that and just like, all right, well, then what percentage is it? Five percent, ten percent, flat fee? Like, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, it's you can almost lot. take your budget and look at the categories that are pretty much run by service industry providers, sure. whether it's hair food and restaurants, yep. travel, and just add 20% to that. And like, that's probably your actual tip amount. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. probably far higher than $700. Yeah, I'm willing to bet it is. And and probably more for women, like depending on oh, some of yeah. the services that you guys get, that yeah. guys don't necessarily get. I'm, I'm generalizing here. Maybe some guys get those things done, but you know, I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I. it reminds me of our son who is turning six soon and is losing his teeth. And we were still operating on like the 1990s era of Tooth Fairy. But apparently the Tooth Fairy got like a promotion or a raise or like the equity in her Tooth Castle has like gone up because she's balling. Because like I was expecting to give money that jingles, not folds. 
months. Right. And even the money that falls, I was thinking like one dollar. And we basically got clown. We're just like, nah, it's five, it's like five dollars. Right. <laughs> it's like <laughs> some people were talking about twenty dollars. I give twenty dollars for the oh, first yeah. one and five or if, yeah, or if they you, set if themselves two fall up, out at the like same you time. Realize there was like, 30 teeth in there. Too much. Yeah. <laughs> you can't you can't start with twenty dollars. You gotta work your way up. <laughs> right. Yeah. But y'all know we like to explore the areas where life intersects with money. And this is one of them because tipping, kind of like the tooth fairy, doesn't show up as this separate line item in your budget. It's just disappearing money that kind of gets rolled up into a broader expense category. And those are the areas that disappearing money that gets rolled up. Those are the areas that you actually want to pay attention to in your budget. You want to be vigilant to ensure that they don't get out of control because you'll write off the whole category instead of figuring out like what is specifically expensive or like what am I missing within that category? Yeah. All right. So let's dive straight into the heart of the issue. What is tipping for? There are actually a few schools of thoughts on this. Some people say tipping is about acknowledging the price paid for food and certain services doesn't include the cost of labor. And so we all just socially kind of agree to leave a tip as a form of compensation. And then there are other schools of thought that say tipping is primarily a reward or an incentive for good service. It's like something extra. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but the origins of tipping actually date back to the medieval times. And I do actually want to spend a little time dispelling a myth, which is that the word tip is actually an acronym for to ensure promptness, T-I-P, or to ensure prompt service, which is T-I-P-S. Yeah. (laughs) Both of those are just not true. I feel like that's actually still (laughs) up in the air, though, because like I I found one article that said like, yeah, that's bogus. And the other one was like, no, that's exactly what it is. I was like, well, (laughs) that that is what it that's what people believe. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's an old wives tale. And to your point, if you've never heard the origin of the word tip as an acronym, the story or the takeaway from that story that it's to ensure promptness or prompt service has definitely shaped a lot of people's beliefs over the years. And I feel like that's become the default understanding of tipping and gratuity in general. Yes. Do you subscribe? Like, which one do you, what camp do you fall into? So what's interesting is uh, I have worked in the hospitality industry for over, or worked in the hospitality industry for over 20 years. And, and I I, I kind of have a weird, <laughs> like I have a completely different perspective on it, right? So I used to also, I, I waited tables for a couple of years. And I think I, I kind of have a belief where it's like a little bit of a combination of both. So like there's this general understanding that like the food, for example, that you're eating at a restaurant does not include the price of labor. Like that's part of it. And there's also like the understanding that the overall experience of going to a restaurant like also is, is reliant on a good service experience or like that's a core part of it. So you tip a kind of base amount and then like there's an additional amount based on the degree of service, right? So it kind of starts at 15 and then if it's pretty good, 18, if it's exceptional, it's 20. If it's like over the top, you can go above that. Now, again, I'm different because I also used to cook professionally. And so like there's like a chef code. So if I go to a restaurant back when I was a working chef, and especially if I know the chef and that chef takes care of me, like I don't get a bill at all. Mm -hmm. So my job is really just like drop a hundred or drop, you know, some amount that like seems like wow it covered the cost of the bill so it's almost like based on how much you consumed which also isn't fair because sometimes the chef like i've i've gone to restaurants and the chef just says 
don't even give them a menu. We're just can you do like right. a tasting. And I was like, well, then I would be tipping like $300 <laughs> right. for this particular meal. So it's a weird thing. But anyway, like now that, going back to what I was saying before, now that restaurant experiences have evolved so much over the last 10 years, I can see why tipping as a practice is so confusing now mm-hmm. because the rise of what they call quick service restaurants or like fast casual restaurants, which is like the Chipotle's and the Zoe's, like this idea that you order at a counter, there is no real service. You're going to get your own drink. You're going to clean up after yourself. Sometimes you don't. There's no sign that says you shouldn't. Like, mm-hmm. it's so all over the board. I think that's part of the reason why tipping as an act is in this state of flux because people don't really believe that they should be tipping because they believe that tipping is based on service. service. Yeah. And since I'm serving myself yeah. and this food is more expensive than fast food, I really shouldn't be tipping. And I think that's part of the reason why it's so weird. I came into this conversation with like a clear idea, but now I'm like, oh, I kind of understand it. Should I be tipping at all? <laughs> Can I just save $1,000 a year? Right. Like, I don't know. I don't have to change my cell phone plan after. I know. Stop tipping. Right. Yeah. It's definitely touch and go these days because we tip in, like, we definitely tip in full service restaurants. But it's not every time in a quick service restaurant to the extent where, like, we tip based on the experience. So if I'm just getting a bottle of water and a muffin in an airport Starbucks, where I literally see it in the glass case. Like, there was no service. Nothing was made. Like, I'm not going to tip you to ring me up. (laughs) I could have reached in and got it myself if I was allowed behind the counter. Well, sometimes you do at the airport. You get your own water, (laughs) they give you the muffin. It's like, so I'm going to tip you for giving me the muffin? (laughs) Yeah, which which is the confusing part about the tipping because even in restaurants, it's not like the person who brings you your food is the person who made it. No. So you're like, you're tipping them for like walking it from the kitchen to the table. I can just go get it myself. that sounds so mean, but like, I hear what you're saying. No, yeah. And I'm not diminishing service workers. I'm just, because obviously that's where we come from. But I'm just saying like, where does the tip go? Like, and I guess we'll get into that in a minute. But like, I tip based on the context in which the service is given. I'm less likely to tip when I'm using a credit card machine versus one of those swivel iPad things where, you know, again, they say like, Oh, yeah. It's very suggestive. (laughs) It's very suggestive. It's weird. It's just weird. Yeah. No, I'm I'm right there with you um, because then there's also like to go orders. I remember having that experience in the early days of the pandemic where you'd go and you'd pick up food. Yeah. And then there was a question was like, well, how much do you tip now? Right. right. Like, uh, is this technically service the act of bagging up my food? Yeah. Like, and, and sometimes I did it gladly. Sometimes I tip the same. Like, there's our local sushi restaurant. I feel like we've got a relationship with them. Yeah. She actually served us. Like, there was a part of the experience. She would sit down. She would even offer you a drink while you wait if it wasn't ready. I was like, oh, well, this is great. But then there are other times it was like, yeah, no, I mean, if it's just sitting on the <laughs> counter and it's cold. Well, I'm now the bartender, I don't even but, interact with humans. They have like these cart set up where you just go and look for the thing with your last name on it. Right, it's right. It's like, I'm not even interacting with somebody. In the case why of Chipotle, like, why am I tipping for someone, to your point, just to put it in a bag and stick it on a cubby and then I've got to go get it? It's a very weird. I'd rather just pay $2 extra. Like, Correct. Instead of having to go the extra step of tipping. Right. All right. The good news is there are some guides out there. And the one that I'm about to reference is from AARP, which are your people. And here's what they have to say. So if you're at a full service or sit down meal, 
15 to 20% of the pre-tax bill is suggested. If it's a buffet or a counter service, like you mentioned, they offer 10% as a reasonable amount. I don't know. The, the pre-tax thing is something that just seems like, like I don't want to hate on boomers if they're out there listening. I feel like that's something that's all, <laughs> I haven't even thought about that layer, but that's like a, yeah. who's tipping pre Maybe, I don't know. I wish this was like a live show because I feel like I would like take some callers. I'm like, like what percentage of people are tipping pre-tax. based on the pre-tax amount? Yeah. But this is AARP. Maybe they know their audience. They're talking to their people. I don't know. This is so confusing. <laughs> I don't know that I agree with that. Total bill. It's total bill. But, that's, but I don't know. That's a tax on top. It's like it's double taxing. Sure, it is. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. So for valet, two to five bucks. Again, for bringing your car. Does like, it depend on the kind of car you... <laughs> is it like a hoopty? <laughs> Two to five bucks. Hairstylist or barber, 15 to 20%, which is what I tip. I tip 20% for yep. my hairstylist. And then after that, it starts getting iffy because I'm about to list some roles or some jobs where I know some of the listeners are going to be like, you supposed to tip them too? <laughs> So like maid or a housekeeper in a hotel, it really depends on how long you stay, but no more than $20. If it's a house cleaner, it's optional. Like somebody who comes to clean your home, your personal home, it's optional. But during holiday times, it's customary. I think I'm a little, ooh, $20 to a housekeeper. Like, wow. Like per, no, that meant for the whole stay. For the stay. For the whole yeah, stay. Not per you know why? Yeah. I'm weird about that because I t- we typically just turn down service. Like on yeah, we, we typically do not do daily. Yeah, it's like, no thanks. Just hang it on and like yeah. you know, hang the little thing on the door and like, yeah, we're good. Yeah. So electricians and plumbers, $20 is the minimum. I do not tip my plumber or electrician. Uh, in-home healthcare worker, $20. Road service provider like AAA, 10 to $20. I definitely tip the good sis who changed my tire a couple months ago. Yes. Movers, $20 per person, which is low based on how I've tipped movers in the past. Postal carriers, $20, or again, a holiday thank you. Cable satellite installer, $20 per visit. I ain't never tipped the cable guy. Like, it's never even crossed my mind because you haven't moved in a while. And now, typically, they just mail you the box. Oh, and, like, sh- you can send oh, that right, yourself. Right, right. Same as a have... postal carrier. Like, yeah. I feel like that might be a regional thing. No, I I have tipped uh, postal carriers. Like, when I lived, when I was doing my eBay hustle, and, like, it was the same person that was coming to get my boxes, which aren't, like, but it was a holiday gift. So okay. I did not tip every day. Right. But, like, during the holidays, I put, you know. So you'd have house. to wait to see them come and then give them? Give no, them I just left it in the mailbox. Ah, Wow. Yeah. Wow. I want to go back because like I you said the electrician or plumber, but this is making me think of like my HVAC guy. Like I must have like this to me that's like all in the same category of service workers. And like I'm still reacting to the ridiculous quote that we got. I want to say it was like for almost three thousand mm-hmm. dollars for some work a couple of months ago. We got a second quote and got that for like I think it was like twelve hundred. But, like, the idea that I would have to also tip that guy on top of that, like, never crossed my mind. Again, similarly with housekeepers, we typically turn down that service. So I think if we were to tip, it would be because we asked for something unique or special or can we get some extra. Like, if we were with our son and we asked for a rollaway bed or Mm -hmm. something like that, I I can get it. I do understand, while I've never used it, an at-home healthcare worker, like, for sure. Like, like. 
I can only imagine like how hard that work is and the type of things that they do and the kind of intimacy that you build uh, mm-hmm. with that kind of person. So those numbers sound fair to me, but like, I don't know, I don't know about the service provider stuff. Like to me, like, again, this is part of what makes tipping and gratuity so weird. It's like, well, what is the purpose of a tip? Yes. Right. If, if it's based on service. I don't think we socially agree on that anymore. I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I think it's 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 in the process of being redefined. Yeah. And it would not surprise me if five years from now, there's like a complete, there's probably going to be a book on it. There probably already is a book <laughs> about it. But, um, but I, so I'm curious though. Like, so you tip your hair, what do you call it? Your hair doer? Stylist. Stylist. <laughs> call it a barber. I didn't know what you women call it. What about like your um your eyebrows and uh yeah. you know you get the other stuff done. Yeah. Your, <laughs> yeah. Anybody who is I don't know. <laughs> it's just anybody, a little personal. I'm sorry. Grief. Do you tip them too? Yes. Anybody really? who is servicing me gets a tip. Whether it's <laughs> hair removal or hair washing, you're gonna get a tip. And it's a generous one. Like I give a minimum of 20%. And then I usually add something during the holidays as a gift. And it's a slippery slope for me because gifts is one of my dominant love languages. And so technically it's a tip. Right. But in my mind, it's also a gift. Right, right. It, I don't think of it that way. So, like, I gave our son's teacher $25 the other day for her birthday. I was thinking about I wouldn't that. call that a tip, but we're also not, like, friends. Right. She's... she's She's providing a service that I value. And so, like, I don't know that it's a gift either. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> gift seems like a strong word, but it is. But it is very clearly, I'm not going to say solicited, but, like, suggested. Yes. Right? There's, like, the, here's what I remember. It was the Favorite first time I saw list. that. Here's what she likes. Yeah. Here's what this person likes. So if you're thinking of getting them something, and, and I appreciate that because it makes it a little bit more convenient so yeah. you're not get, guessing. To your um, point, it is very much suggested because although she's not a friend, I knew her birthday was coming up because the room mom sent a note saying, oh, by the way, it's her birthday. <laughs> but so, that's not considered a tip. That's not a tip. Okay. But it is... I listen. I wish this was a radio show because I I would 100% like jump on the lines right now and see what do you think? How much do you tip? uh, And is that a tip? Are you tipping teachers? We should do like a Twitter poll. Uh, and see whether or not like that's considered a tip. Well, people I don't think- would it would rub people the wrong way because it's not considered tipping in that context, which is why this conversation always gets messy. Yeah, because the school of thought that feels like tipping is the cost of the service, like right. it, it is an additional cost that allows workers to serve you your food and have a living wage. Like right, that's right. your responsibility as a patron is to chip in on their lifestyle. Yeah. And then there's this other part where it's like, well, that should be included in the cost of the product. I'm yeah. not paying the egg guy separately because he delivered the eggs that went into my pancake. Why should I pay for the labor separately? It has nothing to do with the people who are receiving the money mm-hmm. because otherwise we just call it a gift. But it's the idea that this this tipping culture is something extra that we have to do. Versus just baking it in. Yeah, it feels like a lot of us are walking around making arbitrary calculations and decisions about how much money we're going to give. At the top of this episode, we uh, made a slight reference to the role that uh, technology plays in this. So I want to spend a little bit of time talking about that uh, because it's definitely something else that I've noticed. You mentioned it, like if you're paying via credit card and using, I guess, uh, a more, we'll just call it a straightforward payment device, you're less likely to tip 
using cash there. But I now know, if you think about it, there are these service providers like Square and PayPal that come with those iPad-looking devices mm-hmm. and the swivel. Or if you think about uh, one of the restaurants that we go to that has the like little device where you can play games and you can order and reorder food, but then you can also pay there. Those things have, in my opinion, like flat out gamified tipping. It's like, all right, well, here it is. And it's like a sliding scale. And it's like, how much love do you want to give this person? And like, do you like them? Did you really like it? And so like, it's really interesting, but it's like, this is a, an exchange for money, right? So yeah. like, it's a very, very weird thing. But I do think that the rise of that has also led to what some people are calling guilt tipping, yes. right? It's like, well, if it's offered, then like, you don't want to be the person who just flat out says, no, I don't yeah. want to give you a tip. I'm not giving you a tip for that. Uh, but so I think that this interesting interface has kind of added to it. It really makes me think of Starbucks in particular, who's not as bad because I've not been to a Starbucks that has the actual swivel thing. But I do know that when it comes to like guilt tipping, I always think about it with respect to Starbucks because like you order like a venti and I drink my coffee black, but like they give it to you and it's like they only pour like a grande amount of coffee in there. <laughs> They're giving you and, room for cream. Right. Right. That's a, <laughs> a lot, lot of room for cream, dude. Like that's but like a third of a cup. On Instagram and stuff, people be pouring like a third of a cup of cream in their coffee. Like okay. that's a different question. That's another like <laughs> that's another Twitter episode. poll. Like how much cream are y'all putting in your thing? But the reason why I bring it up is because <laughs> in those moments where you're tipping, like I, I do think that there's a layer of the experience where when you're tipping up front, for service, like there's this pressure to do it because if you don't, you almost like build in like they're not gonna make Correct. my sandwich with love. They, yes. They're gonna give me some cold old the Uber coffee. Eats driver don't stop. Exactly. And- they might taste my fries. <laughs> like you know, I wasn't gonna go there, but they might stop That's and take their time. That is a thing. versus like coming to the person who tipped them in advance. Oh my gosh, this yeah. is so mind boggling. That's a whole other lane of like pre tipping. Yeah, like pre-tipping. in restaurants, you tip at the back end. Yes. But with delivery and and all these things, you're tipping on the front end and hoping that that Mm -hmm. is a bit of an indicator Mm -hmm. of the type of experience that you get. Oh, my gosh. All right. (laughs) We're going to try to bring this on home. We're going to try to land this plane. (laughs) So there has been a little bit of a push to actually move away from tipping altogether. Yeah. It started out west in San Francisco and basically restaurants increased the price of food to accommodate for the price of service. And everybody was just kind of sitting back to see how it was received. And so far, it's actually working. From their perspective, this was about being able to pay all the employees a living wage and establish a better sense of equality between the kitchen and the wait staff. It also allowed everyone to get better benefit packages because presumably the restaurant owners now had more margin. And so there are pockets of businesses and regions where they are testing out this idea that like, what if you just built it into the the cost of the food. Yeah, I feel like I've experienced uh, going back to my my, my time in in the hospitality industry where I've experienced a couple of versions of this. I used to work for one restaurant group where it was a very like you eat what you kill kind of experience. Mm -hmm. And so if I were waiting tables that night, pretty much who whatever percentage of gratuity that I got off of the total amount that was sold at my tables, I would get 100% of that. And I was paid in cash at the end of the night. 
I worked for another group where they did not do that, uh, presumably because they think that it led to like this weird dynamic. And what they really wanted to do was foster a sense of teamwork. And so they pulled a portion of uh, the tips and then you got the, the rest of it, which was then given through a paycheck. Right. So you weren't paid every single night. You were paid biweekly. And I think that has something to do with their ability to therefore offer benefits. So it was a weird, different thing. But I think there have always been tweaks to kind of the labor behind uh, these service experiences that have, as a result, uh, been able to contribute to the kind of experience that people are getting. But a lot of this also ties to the fact that tipped employees are basically sub-minimal wage earners as well. And so there's a bit of acknowledging of that and realizing that, well, this is also why a lot of people are tipping. What I think is interesting, though, going back to how these things uh, have modified service experiences is that there's also some data to suggest that in these kinds of restaurants where tipping uh, is not allowed or not necessary because it's not a part of the service experience. It also cuts down on the transaction time, which means uh, there's lower wait times that people, I think in that particular restaurant where you were looking at, there was an article that said that it cut the wait times by around 25%. Because if you think about the old way that it was done, it was like, all right, I'm going to bring you the check. Then I'm going to go back and I'm going to leave this. I'm going to go back and I'm going to pick up the check. Then I'm going to clear the table. So just eliminating that one. And even at the end of the night, just like reconciling what's a tip versus what is Just eliminating that process altogether made the entire experience more efficient. And as a result, the people at the restaurants experienced um, a more efficient experience. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm all for it, but I know it's a little more complicated than that. It is. And it certainly gets more complicated when you expand that model, that service model beyond just the restaurants. Yeah. Because I've actually gone to a hairstylist who refused tips and it was kind of polarizing. On the one hand, she was like, people are happy about it because it relieves this pressure. You know exactly how much the service costs. Yeah. And it's transparent. It's probably it's easy for her to like estimate exactly her. how much I'm making. Yeah, she's built in her service experience into the price. She's yeah. not asking people to value her service experience. But on the other hand, she's had customers be offended because she refused the tip. And so <laughs> there's a whole lot at play here. I actually think we might see tip culture change in our lifetime. Congress has been pushing for raising of the minimum wage. And a part of that includes provisions that would eliminate that sub-minimum wage component for tipped employees, which is nice. Now, the bad news is that the restaurant lobby doesn't want it because margins are already super slim for owners. And they're basically calling restaurants like the one that you named in San Francisco an outlier and saying at large it would do more harm than good because it would raise prices on consumers and take profit from owners. So a lose-lose. And because of that, it would create job job losses. Exactly. Yeah. According to the National Restaurant Association and a nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office report. (laughs) I saw the slant. Nonpartisan. I don't have a dog in this fight, but. uh... (laughs) According to them, a $15 federal minimum wage hike could trigger as much as 2.7 million job losses for 700,000 workers out of the labor force and reduce employment opportunities for the young and less educated. Yeah. It's a direct quote. Like, apparently, it's super complicated. But, like, I gotta say, like, not really. Because when we're talking about eggs, the price of eggs, the price of gas, or any other commodity, there's not a congressional hearing or a nonpartisan congressional budget office report because those things aren't 
federally regulated. When it comes to our labor, though, there are these mandates like the minimum wage that restaurant owners have skirted around for the past couple hundred years. We're the only country that does this. We're the like we're the only one. (laughs) We're so stubborn about this. Every other country, you can make a living wage, respectable job, just like any other job. And it's paid a salary. Yeah. And I think what's really interesting about this is because I feel like a lot of people that I know, I don't want to make, you know, any more blanket statements today, but uh, a lot of people I think would agree that like service expectations have or service experiences as a whole have kind of diminished over the last couple of years. And I, and, and I kind of saw that coming. I was like, yeah, there's no way that you're going to get people to also sign up for like not being able to make a living wage while also putting their lives. Well, the demand of the service is what leads to Correct. the poor service experience. Correct. And so. Again, in a ca- I don't make the rules. In a capitalist society, if you want to lower the demand so that you can get a better service experience, you have to increase the price. You have to make it slightly more inaccessible. Like I don't again, I don't like the rules. I don't make the rules, but them's the rules. <laughs> yeah. So there's a part of me that hears the 2.7 million job losses as a strictly hypothetical number. It reminds me of like when you're young and you would make silly faces and your parents would be like, be careful, face going to get stuck that way. <laughs> like it's purely hypothetical in the same sense. Nobody's face ever gets stuck that way. <laughs> and there's no proof that we would literally lose 2.7 million jobs because we increase the price of the service that people are providing. You know what I also say is that it's not like the system as it exists today is working for everyone. Right? Like it's very clear that it's not. And so like you could argue that that without question is a reason to at least do a trial run. Like there needs to be some kind of trial run. It needs to expand <laughs> beyond just a couple a of restaurants, run. a pilot. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like just like they're piloting minimum wage or yes. um, in, in certain cities and those kinds of things to see the impact. But there's also has. like, again, this is the whole premise of our podcast. The data is there. The data yeah. suggests, based on the number of pilots that we've done, that this could work. Yeah. It's yeah. a cultural shift. <laughs> Think about the lady who got mad because she couldn't tip. Like, it's a cultural shift that we all need to be making. Yeah. And the only way we can do that is to not like be silent about this culture because we fear that like the people who are in service positions that are highly dependent on our tips will be offended or that we're not advocating for them. Like this argument is not just about me. It's about the whole system. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll tear it all down. <laughs> Team tear it down, start over from scratch and see what people say. What are your final thoughts? Okay. Final thoughts. I am a tipper. To be clear, I am a tipper because that is know, the culture. <laughs> I'm a tipper, y'all. Don't come for me. <laughs> I am a tipper because that is the culture that we have. But I think we have to be critical of a culture that robs service industry providers of some benefits that most of us have come to know as just standard yeah. simply because their income is highly dependent on tips. Things like retirement packages, paid time off, employer-sponsored health care are all off the table because the pay the salary is kind of disintermediated by thousands of patrons that you serve. Even something as common as living paycheck to paycheck. That's a phrase we use all the time. Well, that's not their reality. For them, it's living shift to shift. And the pressure from that can be really difficult. So I will continue to tip and I will continue to advocate for change. But for those who are currently in service industry positions or just in uh, fluctuating income positions, I do have a book recommendation. 
It's called Tipped. And it's by Barbara Sloan, who we've had the pleasure of meeting a few times. Yeah, I was hoping you're going to bring up. Yeah, that. she is hilarious, first of all. But she is an industry insider. She's worked for tips her entire you know, adult life. And she wrote a book for people like her. She walks you through budgeting and investing while having a fluctuating income and even shares some creative ways to build an emergency fund. So I highly recommend if it's you or even if you just know somebody, yeah, a cousin, get it for them. a little it's brother, a child, if you know somebody who's working in the service industry and is kind of using that as their reason to not make aggressive financial goals or have aggressive financial habits, this is a good book to start because it's written from an insider. Yeah, I love that. I love that. My final thoughts, you know, I spent a little bit of time in this episode talking about it, but I do think, and I won't expound on it, but obviously we are going through a cultural shift, hopefully a social shift uh, that I think is changing the way that we all view tipping, whether it's a component of service, whether we it's out of acknowledgement for the fact that these are sub-minimum wage earners, uh, like all of those things aside, I think one thing that we have to be mindful of is that tipping is a way of providing feedback. Yeah. It's a way of of conveying your appreciation and not just for the person, but also for that business and, and the quality of the experience that they are providing you. And I think that that's something that needs to be uh, called out. I think a lot of times uh, we communicate with restaurants and services by simply never showing up. And, and I just want to recognize that tips also play a role in that. So continue to do that because I think that helps service workers know whether or not they're doing a good job. You don't have to be a jerk about it, but you can also say, hey, this is why, this is what I would like to appreciate. And it doesn't mean that you never have to go back, but I do think to some extent we've got to do our part to get over the awkward parts of this experience for the greater good. Everybody wants to be able to earn a living wage. Everyone wants to be able to go to their favorite restaurants, but, you know, avoid awkward circumstances. And so you know, I don't know where that leaves us, <laughs> but I do think the idea of people kind of tipping 15 or 20 percent, regardless of the kinds of experience that they've had, I think at the end of the day, does a little bit more harm than good because there's no incentive for people to actually improve the experience. And so we've offered some guidelines. We've, I guess, shared a little bit of insight into what we do. I'm all for just starting over because this is a lot to keep <laughs> up with. <laughs> this is this, I'm team flat fee or just bake it into the price bake so that in. I've got fewer yeah. calculations and yeah. awkward exchanges to deal with in my life. i got enough <laughs> of that on my own. All right. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success. What if I told you that listening to this podcast without leaving a review is the equivalent of eating at a restaurant and not leaving a tip? Hmm? Is that really how you want to be known out here? Podcast dashing. (laughs) Listening. I ain't trying to guilt tip you. But if you are so moved, you can head on over to the Apple ratings and review page and just leave us a little five star, a little, little 15, 20% little tip action. And we will see y'all next week. <laughs>